Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. Pastor James is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. There are several times the hands of Jesus are mentioned in the New Testament. There's something powerful and meaningful about his hands. We've talked about the hands that heal and the hands of Jesus that open blind eyes, the hands that bless, and the hands that were pierced. And today we're going to talk about the hands that are scarred. There is something so special about the scars of Jesus in his hands. Now Jesus had been crucified and three days later he had risen from the dead. And he revealed himself to his disciples. However, one of his disciples named Thomas was not present when that happened. And the other disciples tried to convince Thomas that Jesus had risen from the dead, that they had seen him with their own eyes, but he wasn't buying it. And so that's where we start John chapter 20, verse 24. Our story continues. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to him, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came in and stood among them and said, peace with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Thomas, because of this experience, is forever known as Doubting Thomas. How did you like to be known for that for, throughout history? Hey, Doubting Thomas. Hey, Short James. You know, what do you, what do you <laughs> identify somebody throughout that sticks? You know, it's a name that's stuck on Thomas. But what is the meaning? Because he has more than one name. Thomas is a Hebrew word. And Didymus, which I think Thomas sounds a lot better than Didymus, unless you want to just go by Diddy. <laughs> P. Diddy. Didymus is the corresponding Greek word, but they both mean twin. And so we see that that Thomas must have been a twin. And just speaking of twins, I happen to have a picture. Most recent of mine. Is that just adorable? Elliot is on the left and Ember is on the right. Elliot looks like his daddy and Ember looks like her mama. Oh, it just melts my heart. I have that on my iPad. Every time I open it up, I see this picture. Twins. Now, Thomas obviously had a twin, but we have no idea who it was. Or maybe we do. According to the Bible exposition commentary, it says this. Who was Thomas's twin? We do not know, but sometimes you and I feel as if we might be his twin. How often we have refused to believe and have insisted that God prove himself to us. So you know what? Thomas has a twin. It's you and me. At times it seems as if, number one, doubting Thomas is our identical twin. You know, it's really easy to pick on people in the Bible who made mistakes. 
Because we're seeing it after the fact, but how many of you know that we've all had doubts? We've all had doubts at times. It's just the, the reality of living in a fallen world. And we are all similar to Thomas in that we have struggled. And the question I'm wondering is, where was Thomas? When the disciples were gathered together and Jesus first appeared to him, why is Thomas not there? He's the only disciple that wasn't present when Jesus showed himself. Perhaps this gives us a clue as to why Thomas was not to be seen. Look at John 11, verse 16. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. And so, like Peter, Thomas made a big boast, didn't he? Yeah, let's go with Jesus. We'll never leave you. We'll, we'll die with you. But like all the other disciples, when it came down to it, they all abandoned Jesus, including Peter and including Thomas. And so doubt, Thomas doubted in the resurrection because he doubted in himself. See, he had been bold in his proclamation. He said he would be brave, and yet I think in many ways he was ashamed. We see in, again in the Bible exposition commentary, why was Thomas not with the other disciples when they met on the evening, evening of the resurrection day? Was he so disappointed that he did not want to be with his friends? But when we are discouraged and defeated, we need our friends all the more. Solitude only feeds discouragement and it helps grow into self-pity, which is even worse. And I believe this is an accurate assessment of where Thomas was. Where was he? He knew he had failed. He knew he had disappointed the Lord. And so he started to feel sorry for himself and it turned into self-pity and self-pity is dangerous. And that's why when we're discouraged, we need people. We need people around us. The enemy will try to make us feel like we need solitude, but what we really need is people to encourage us. Because if we're not careful, when we have failed, and when we have fallen short, and when we're disappointed, it can turn to self-pity. And my second point this morning is this, doubt is due to self-pity. If we keep having self-pity, it'll start to damage our faith. It'll start to whittle away at what we believe. And this is why self-pity is so dangerous. It leads to doubt. And Thomas also missed out on something else. He wasn't there. He missed out on Jesus showing up. But he also missed out on something else. Look at John 20, verse 21 and 22. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. This is when he appeared to the disciples when Thomas wasn't there. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Listen to this, verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Thomas wasn't there. Now we know that Thomas was present on the day of Pentecost. And so he, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. But he missed this experience of the Spirit of God moving. If we doubt we can miss out on a visitation of the Holy Spirit. If we doubt, we can miss out on an impartation of God's Spirit. And we don't want to miss that. We need the Holy Spirit more than we ever have in this day and age. It's critical that we don't miss out on this. And, and that's why it's important that we stay in fellowship. That we fellowship with believers. That we come to church 
Because that is the place where we are encouraged and built up. And we don't want to miss a move of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying for a move of the Holy Spirit in our church, in our day, in our time. A new revival, a fresh outpouring, a great awakening in our nation. I'm not giving up on America. I'm going to keep believing that there's another move of the Spirit coming. But we need to be prepared for it. We need to be ready for it. Thomas missed it. Because of his self-pity and his own doubt, he missed the move of the Spirit. We've got to stop looking so inward to ourselves and start being present with one another and the, and the Lord. And so the other disciples had seen the risen Savior with their own eyes. However, Thomas found out about the resurrection of Jesus through the eyewitness testimony of others. This is how the rest of the world learns about Jesus is through the testimony, the eyewitness testimony. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. It's in the Bible. That's how we learn about Jesus, is these men saw him, and women. In fact, Jesus appeared to women first before men. Now, someone once said that he really wanted to get the word out. That's why he did that. But I never said that. Fortunately, I never said that. Right, love? Oh, she's in the front row. And so Jesus had already told these women and told these guys, and they, had, they saw Jesus with their own eyes. And yet Thomas says, I'm not going to believe because I haven't seen it with my eyes. And so like many people do today, Thomas rejected this eyewitness account. It is so amazing that all of these disciples died for this. How I many know that people don't die for a lie? All of the disciples, except for John, were put to death because of their eyewitness testimony of Jesus Christ. We can believe the Bible is true. This is eyewitness testimony. They were there. And they wrote it down so we could believe as well. Now what's amazing is Thomas, along with the other disciples, had been with Jesus every day for three and a half years. He'd been with him every day for over three years. And very often during that time frame, Jesus told his disciples that he would be crucified and that he would rise from the dead the third day. Jesus kept telling them this. Day after day, he would remind them and, they, they just, and, and then when it happened, they were clueless and they freaked out. But doubting Thomas refused to believe the words and promises of Jesus unless he could see the scars with his own eyes and feel it with his own hands. And here is why. Number three, doubt demands proof. We want proof before we will believe. The Life Application New Testament says this, consistent with his character elsewhere in the gospel, Thomas was skeptical toward his friend's report about seeing Jesus. He epitomized hard-headed realism by insisting that seeing and touching Jesus for himself would be the only proof that would satisfy him. Thomas demanded to see the scars before he would believe. However, we have to believe before we can see. He would not accept that Jesus was alive unless he could see and feel the scars with his very own hands. Now Jesus had shown his scars previously to the other disciples. Again, in John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, 
Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. This was the first time when Thomas wasn't there. They, he demanded to see the scars. Now, I've had uh, quite a few surgeries in my life. And I have scars from those surgeries. My first surgery was when I was in seventh grade. I had double knee surgery because I had, had some cartilage problems with my knees. And this was before orthoscopic surgery. You know, it's hard to see your surgical scars these days. But these were, this is before orthoscopic surgery. And so I had both knees operated on the same time. And what's so wild about it is I have scars to prove it. Do you want to see? No. Nobody wants to see. My wife is freaking out right now. Do not. But this is, this is what's so cool. One of the scars on my knees has a smile, and the other knee has a frown. Now you really want to see them, don't you? You do. But you're going to have to take her word for it. She is an eyewitness to this account. I know, I'm making myself nervous right now. <laughs> now, while Jesus showed his scars to the 11, Thomas demanded to see for himself. He had a different attitude than did the disciples. Thomas was making demands. How many of you know we are never in a position to make demands of God? He is God, we are not. He knows all things, we don't. We're clueless half the time. And we're challenging God. And he knows all things. He's all powerful. And he works all things together for good. Who are we to demand more proof? I mean, look what God has done for you. Think back to the miracles. Think back to how he's been faithful, how he's never left you, how he's rescued you from sin and addiction and all of these things. How, how could we forget what God has done for us? Why would we demand more proof? Now, here is something in this passage I had never noticed before. That's why I love God's word. There's always something fresh and something new. Even though you, I've read the Bible multiple times, it still speaks to me fresh and anew. And I never saw this before, that Thomas had been doubting for an entire week. It had been seven days. The disciples told him, we saw him. No, you didn't. Yes, we did. And it says they were trying to convince him the whole time. That's what the verb tense means. They kept trying to convince Thomas, we saw him, dude. We saw him with our own eyes. But Thomas had been doubting the resurrection for an entire week. Now these ten other guys all said the same thing, but Thomas was unmoved. Why do you think that was? Why was Thomas so adamant about his unbelief? Number four. Doubt makes us double-minded. I'm here to warn us all today against doubt. Doubt is destructive to our lives, to our relationships, to our soul, to our salvation. And doubt eventually will make us double-minded, undecided, vacillating back and forth. Look at James chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, 
Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Doubt leads to double-mindedness, and we can't expect anything from God if we're double-minded. If we don't believe, if we're going back and forth, doubt and belief, doubt and belief. So if Thomas needed proof, seeing Jesus walk, walk through a locked door should, should have helped a little bit, right? Finally, he's there, and seven days later, Jesus walks through the door without opening it. And so that's, that's the first start of proof for Thomas, like, whoa, that's wild. And then Jesus spoke to all the 11 disciples, including Thomas, peace be with you. Now, Thomas would not believe the eyewitness testimony, and then he saw Jesus walk through a locked door, and then he heard Jesus speak. Was that enough proof for good old Thomas? After Jesus spoke peace to everyone, he then turned his attention directly to Thomas. Dun, dun, dun. I just love it. He said, hey, peace with everybody. Yo, Tom, we got to talk. Now, I imagine that Thomas is feeling a little nervous about now, maybe a little foolish. He was probably wishing he could walk through the door Jesus just came through. But Jesus wouldn't let him squirm out of this. He challenges Thomas to put his finger in the scarred hands inside of Jesus. And then Jesus nails, pun intended, Thomas with these words, stop doubting and believe. You know, it is really that simple and really that hard. Faith and doubt are both choices. Number five, and doubt is the easy choice. It's not hard to doubt, right? That's the easy, lazy choice. Doubt everything. Let doubt come into your heart and mind. That's easy. I mean, you know, doubt is natural, but faith is supernatural. And so sometimes it's harder to have faith. It's easy, easy to doubt. Anybody can doubt. Most everybody does. Faith and belief are, are difficult and challenging, even when the proof is there. But haven't we seen enough? Haven't we witnessed enough what God has done for us? We have experienced the goodness of God time and time again. Even before we came to Christ, he was good to us. Think of all the good in your life. The Bible says every good gift comes from above, from, uh, from our Heavenly Father. Any good in your life, even before you were a Christian, that came from God. God is the author of all things good. And so any good thing in your life, anything, is from the Lord. And so we know God has proved himself. And so doubt is something we got to stop doing. we got to stop problem is it's a habit we we doubt habitually it's it's our, our it's what we defer to immediately a crisis comes up and what do we do we doubt i'm speaking of myself y'all are just along for the ride something happens oh no doubt starts to creep in it's easy to doubt it's the first default we have that's why we have to train ourselves through the word of God to stop doubting and start believing. Doubt and belief cannot occupy the same place. And Thomas finally, finally decides to believe. And he says, my Lord and my God. 
which is a profession of the deity of Christ. Now he gets it. And you know, before we can be saved, we need to make a similar confession, my Lord and my God, of Jesus Christ. Thomas finally believes because he saw it with his own eyes. However, there's no blessing for that. There's no added blessing. Number six, doubt denies us God's blessings. Jesus said these amazing words, because you have seen me, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I wanna tell you, none of us have seen Jesus. And I, and I, I know he, he has appeared to people, I know that, but not to me. Most of us will never physically see Jesus in this life. And so the challenge for us is will we believe without seeing? There is a blessing for those who believe in their hearts without seeing with their eyes. There's a special blessing. You are blessed more than Thomas if you believe without seeing. And what is part of that blessing? If we, if we believe even though we haven't seen, listen to this. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Wow! If we'll believe without seeing, we will have joy. And I want to tell you, if we're missing out on joy, it's probably being affected by the doubt in our heart. A lack of joy usually means uh, the presence of doubt. Because if we believe, we're filled with inexpressible joy. And so I'm reminded of those times when I'm a doubting timus and I'm discouraged and disappointed. And I let that begin to grow in my life. We must take charge of that and say, no, I will not doubt. I choose to believe. I choose to believe. Life Application New Testament says, we have no right to require God to prove himself. But he has every right as our creator to expect our belief and obedience. The fact that God blesses those who believe is simply an added gift of his grace. I want to challenge you today. This is my last point, and this is the bottom line for Easter. Stop doubting and believe. I want you to make a decision today that you are going to choose to believe without seeing. Even when everything looks lost and hopeless and broken and helpless, I want you to make a commitment today, this Easter 2022, that this was a day you made a commitment that you were going to stop doubting and you were going to believe. You know, we all have doubts. We may have doubts in our finances, doubts in our relationships. We may have sons and daughters and grandchildren that are away from the Lord and we, we wonder if they'll ever come back. We wonder if we're going to make it. We may have a, a, a disease or a, a needing a cure and a healing. And it's important that we overcome this doubt. And it took us, a, we've doubted for a long time, so it'll be a process in overcoming it. But I'm, I want to challenge you today. This is why the scars are in his hands. So that we would believe and not doubt. He has the scars. An orphan boy 
was living with his grandmother when their house caught fire. And the grandmother, trying to get upstairs to rescue the boy, perished in the flames. But the boy's cries for help were finally answered by a man who climbed an iron drain pipe and came back down with the boy hanging tightly to his neck. Several weeks later, a public hearing was held to determine who would receive custody of the boy. A farmer, a teacher, and the town's wealthiest citizen all gave reasons they felt they should be chosen to give the boy a home. But as they talked, the lad's eyes remained focused on the floor. Then, a stranger walked to the front and slowly took his hands from his pockets, revealing severe scars on them. The crowd gasped, and the boy cried out in recognition. This was the man who had saved his life. His hands had been burned when he climbed the hot pipe. And with a leap, the boy threw his arms around the man's neck and held on for dear life. The other men silently walked away, leaving the boy and his rescuer alone. Those scarred hands had settled the issue. The scarred hands of Jesus have settled the issue for you and for me. It's why we're, we can be saved. It's why we can have eternal life. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Today you are forced with a decision to choose to believe or to choose to doubt. If you will believe, you will be blessed. Your sins will be forgiven. You will receive eternal life. You'll not have to fear death or anything else because you believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the Son of God. But you have to make the choice. Nobody can make the choice for you. You can't get to heaven on someone else's coattails. Your mom may have been a believer, your great-grandpa, but it's up to you to make the decision today for yourself. No one can choose but you. Will you believe in the nail-scarred hands? Will you receive the love of God through Jesus Christ, his son? Today is a day. It's a, it's a choice. You've got to choose if you're going to believe. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. The world's going crazy. We should make sure we're ready. Who knows what could happen? But when you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have to be afraid because you know God is in control. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you a chance to make that choice to believe. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you did at one time, but you know you've walked away and you're not where you belong, and you're ready to come home, you're ready to believe, you're ready to make the choice, don't be doubting, Thomas. But if you're ready to accept Jesus, would you just slip up your hand? Anyone in this place, raise your hand. Yes. Just keep your hand up just for a moment. Yes. Several hands raised. Thank you. You put your hands down. Thank you for believing. You've, you've made a huge step in your life. And so I want to lead you in a prayer that'll just seal it so you'll know that was the time I chose to believe and stop doubting. Now I know we'll still battle some doubts, but it starts with this belief in Jesus Christ. And so if you raised your hand or you're ready to believe, I'm going to pray a prayer and I'm going to ask you to pray after me. And if you're already a Christian, please join in because there's new members to our family today. If you're ready to believe, 
Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. Dear Jesus, I receive. I receive you into my heart and life. I receive eternal life. I receive forgiveness of all my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or you've come back to the Lord, would you take the card in front of you and just let us know. Even if you want to put your information down, just let us know that you prayed that prayer. But if you would give us your contact information, we can follow up with you and help you in this new journey, in this new life. Would you stand with me, church? This is a great day. Isn't it a great day? When people put their faith in Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us today. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.